Thank you for joining us for another edition of the CIC Cast. We've been off for a little bit, but happy to be back this week with some great discussion and lots of good information for you here on the CIC Cast. Thank you again for being with us. We've got two guests joining us this week. First up will be Mary Albol. She's going to be previewing the first fall championships the cross-country championships which will be taking place this weekend at wickham park we encourage folks to go check that out it's going to be a fun-filled day of running and it looks like the weather is going to cooperate knock on wood so that'll be our first guest and then joining us for our second guest will be neil curlin the former boys basketball coach at nfa and he's going to chat with us about coach uh, behavior and issues of sportsmanship and things like that so a very interesting conversation very thoughtful conversation that we appreciate uh, that uh, Neil Curlin is going to join us for. So we are happy to have you along with us. Should be a excellent edition of the CIAC cast. We're very happy that you've been that you are joining us and let's dive right into it with a, another edition of things you might have missed on CIAC Sports com. First up, uh, we're talking about fall championships here, uh, or we will be once we get to our cross-country section of the uh, the story, but the winter sports tournament packets have been posted on CIACsports.com, so if you want information about uh, the tournaments upcoming this winter, basketball, uh, along with many others, posted on CIACsports.com, you can get all that information along with information about the tournaments there, so some important things for folks to check out in the tournament packets. Always a good read to, to read through those. Make sure you're uh, up to date with all the information before the uh, winter season gets underway. Also posted uh, this week, the CIC Basketball Finals. Speaking of that tournament packet, we'll be going back to Mohegan Sun this year. The dates on the championships will be March 22nd and 23rd for the 2014 basketball finals and that is a Saturday and a Sunday for the first time in uh, CIAC history that will be scheduling the championships on a Saturday and Sunday five games uh, broken up into two sessions on Saturday and then three games uh, one session on Sunday so we're looking forward to that looking forward to continuing the relationship with the Mohegan Sun which has certainly been one that has provided all kinds of excitement uh, and other things along the way for the CIAC. So we certainly uh, appreciate that relationship and are looking forward to continuing to uh, talk and work with those folks there. Elsewhere, we've had new editions of Linked Up and Eye on the CIAC, certainly uh, our regular weekly features. A uh, new story from Max Preps about the unbeaten Hall field hockey team, or was unbeaten at least at the uh, the time of the story, so uh, talking about how they've been riding their defense to success on the field. So the the Hall field hockey team, that's worthwhile uh, reading as well. And from Max Preps, we always enjoy the feature stories that we get from those folks. So that's going to uh, wrap up this edition of Things You Might Have Missed on CIACsports.com. We hope you will check out all of that good stuff, along with, of course, keeping your eyes out for tournament brackets, which will be posted one week from today, the first day of November, which will also happen to be the open championship date for cross-country. So we'll have those. You can find those on the Tournament Central section, and if you go to that Tournament Central section, you can also find the the listings, the start times, and listings for all the cross-country championships that are taking place this weekend. So you want to see all the seed times and all that good stuff that is available as well, along with dates for fall championships on Tournament Central. So we hope you will check that out as well. Lots of good stuff, as always, on CIACsports.com. Hope you'll check it out. 
And of course, always hope you will follow us on Twitter at CIAC Sports and follow us on Facebook. You can like us there, Facebook.com slash CIAC Sports. So get my normal plugs out of the way. And with that, we will begin our conversation about the championship weekend. That is right. Last week, we saw the start of championship season with league championships in cross country. And now tournament play has started in several other sports in the leagues. And now we have the first weekend of CIAC championships beginning this weekend with the cross country championships. We wanted to make sure we gave a little time to talk about what fans might see at that event this weekend. So for that, we reached out to one of our favorite recurring guests here on the CIAC cast. We are joined now on the phone by someone who's going to have a keen eye on the cross country championships this weekend as the CIAC uh, championship season kicks off. That is Mary Albel of the New Haven Register and uh, can check out all of her great work there and on the Game Time CT website for uh, New Haven Register. So, Mary, thank you for joining us. Yeah, not a problem. I know you've been uh, keeping an eye on the uh, the cross country scene throughout the year, and I know you were at the uh, the FCAC championships last uh, week. So why don't we start there and just say what uh, what stood out to you from that championship meet, and uh, and maybe how does that apply to things that we might see this weekend at Wickham Park for the championships? Um, well, last week at the FCAC um, championships, it was um, very competitive on the girls' side. You know. Um, a lot of those teams will be competing in the Class Double L. Um, Ridgefield Staples are very strong this year, and uh, I know they've traded throughout the year first and second place. And um, I'd expect that the same at the uh, at the class meet. Um, individual wise for the girls, um, Staples handed the ball to is uh, seven for seven this year on first place finishes, and I don't see her uh, stopping there. So she's a uh, She's the one to beat, followed by um, West Hills' uh, Claire Howlett, as well as Fairfield Ward's Kate Allen, who will be competing um, in the Class L. And Ward has a strong chance to um, contend for a class title. So, um, but on the boys' side, again, um, Bridgefield looks strong. They won the FCS meet. Um, Ann looks really good, as usual. They have um, Alex Osberg, who took uh, second place, and he should, he should contend for an individual title as well. So. There's a lot of strong runners coming out of the FCX. Yeah, certainly uh, was some some great competition, some great results put up there uh, at the meet this past uh, this past week. So we'll move kind of along now, focusing on the the championships. Obviously, twelve races, uh, twelve championship races taking place this weekend, starting at at nine fifteen. So a busy day of competition, but uh, you know, obviously not uh, necessarily going to be able to cover all twelve races here. But what are maybe you know a handful of the the stories uh, that you're going to be keeping an eye on as as the weekend kicks off? Uh, on Saturday. Um, again, going back to the uh, Class Double L race um, for the boys, um, there is no Henry Hunt this year, so right. um, that's good news for the rest of He's gone. Um, so we'll be kind of up for grabs. I expect um, Bridgefield's Trevor Hopper and uh, Fairfield Prep's Christian Alvarado to um, duke it out. Alvarado, he was um, a little bit injured last fall, and he's uh, 100% healthy this fall, and He's coming in off an SCC um, victory, so I, I really think um, him and Trevor Hopper will contend for that title. Um, but team-wise in the double L, you have Danbury, Staples, New Milford, Amity, you know, they're all top 10 ranked teams, so it should be a very competitive field. Um, that thing goes for uh, double L girls. Again, you have Blastonbury, Ridgefield, Staples, 
kind of, you know, all these great teams that are um, ranked in the state polls, so it should be interesting. But yeah. um, as the um, other classes go, you know, it's a very stacked field, very even. Um, L, you know, Mercy's coming off the girls. They should um, contend with Fairfield Ward for a team title. Um, you have Dana Rivers and Double M from uh, Wilbur Cross, who's looking for her first individual title after she uh, sat out last year with an injury. Um, let's see, Poland is strong as well. They should, um, they're probably one of the best girls teams in the state, so um, they should defend their title. But there's a lot of um, lot of strong teams, and I feel like this is one of the strongest years for um, cross country. Yeah, sort of uh, just kind of a, you know, um, a strategic question is, is this, do you get the feeling that, you know, most of these teams are, are trying to peak towards this meet or do, do you feel that teams, you know, maybe the, the top teams are eyeing the, the open championship, which will be held obviously next weekend um, at, uh, at Wickham Park? Is that sort of more the focus or what, what sort of sense do you get of, excuse me, will be held Friday, the uh, the, the mm-hmm. open championships, but what, what sort of sense are you getting in terms of strategy maybe from talking to some of these top teams? Are they, they really focused on their class championships or is they maybe eyeing more the, the open championship? I think um, just from talking to a few of the teams after the conference meet, you know, they really do want to contend for that class meet, you know, and um, advance to that state open and have a good showing. And I think um, what you see is, a lot of these races are going to come down to those three through seven runners and how well they perform and uh, complement the top uh, two runners. And I think that will be kind of the difference come Saturday. Yeah, certainly uh, you get a lot of tend to get a lot of consistency from those folks at the the, the top of the field, but maybe the right. the the three through uh, seven folks are the ones that can can tilt the balance. Um, you talked about you know many of those strong teams, and a lot of them are, are teams that that fans of cross country uh, are familiar with. Are there any you know new faces, some surprising teams maybe that have had strong seasons that you're you know, maybe seeing that could uh, either, if not break through for a title, at least contend for a title that maybe aren't as familiar to, to some of the folks that have been following this stuff? Um, I mean, it's a, they're a well-known running school, Staples, but um, if you just look at the history of the Staples girls, um, last year they took um, eighth place at the FCX Championships, and uh, they barely missed out on first place this year, and they are... Um, I ranked fourth, I believe, in the state poll, and they just really had um, quite the show in this year, and they have um, a legitimate chance to um, contend for a double O title. So if you look at where they were to where they are now, um, they're kind of a surprise team, I guess. Yeah. Um, and as you mentioned, uh, Hannah DeBalsi was a, an impressive uh, sophomore campaign so far for her, so someone to uh, to keep an eye on. Any other, uh, you know, any other individuals maybe whose teams aren't, aren't going to be in the running, but, uh, or may not be in the running, but are, you know, going to be contending for, for championships, uh, across the board. Um, I believe we have Sarah Olson of, uh, I think it's Thomaston. She should be, um, defending her title, I think. Um, but she's a senior and, um, she has a good chance. I think it's in the, um, class S division. Um, as far as the guys go, I think Amity, um, they contended well at the SEC meet and, um, they have a good chance as well in that um, loaded class double L. So um, they could be a surprise team. You never know. Yeah, certainly uh, always a good, uh, always a good time when, when we sort of see some new faces, uh, some pop up and uh, will be a lot of competition going on. As we said, 12 races covering the day and, uh, 
and a busy day starting at 9.15, and uh, we appreciate folks who will, will be there all day. You can go and uh, just enjoy 12 different championship races, uh, probably the busiest day of championships that we have, uh, certainly in cross country. Uh, Mary, anything else that uh, that jumps out at you as, as sort of things for people to watch when they when they head there this weekend to Wickham Park? Um, not too much. I mean, like you said, it's going to be a very busy day, and honestly, you know, there's a time for fans to arrive. It's right at that 9:15 time because all of these races are going to be competitive, and there really isn't like a, a class that is lacking for um, a great finish or star runners or anything. It's it's a very um, talented field across the board. Yeah, looking forward to it, and uh, also should do a quick plug here. With this will be the first time that the event will be carried live on the. Uh, the, the CIAC network, so fans can check that out as well. We'll have live broadcast if they're unable to make it to the meet or even want to uh, watch on their mobile device from the championship. They get uh, perspective on that as well. So, uh, Mary Albel, she will be there along with uh, some other folks from the, uh, the Game Time CT website taking care of coverage for them, and we appreciate that, and we'll certainly look for all of your, uh, all of your stories from the 12 championships uh, uh, after the competition wraps up on Saturday. So thanks for joining us. Perfect. Thank you. That was good stuff, as always, from Mary Elbel. We appreciate her taking the time to chat with us before a busy weekend for her. And uh, Henry Chisholm will also be there covering the cross-country championships for Game Time CT. And we uh, thank them very much and hope you'll check out their work and check out those championships. Really is a, a fun day. And as she said, you know, really get to see a lot of good competition in one day's worth of action. So really looking forward to seeing who comes out on top at the championships this weekend. Moving right along now, really shifting gears here into sort of more of a, a general conversation topic, but unfortunately it's one that uh, has been coming up, it seems like, more and more. And uh, mentioned a recent edition of Linked Up on CICsports.com last Friday, posted an edition that, that featured a story um, about coaching behavior, uh, particularly, specifically in this case in the state of New Jersey, um, but sort of dealing with the idea of, of coaches' sideline demeanor and the way that they handle their players and deal with their players and and determining what's acceptable and what isn't. And then there's always conversation uh, recently in the news this week about a, a football score in Texas that got a little out of hand and whether the coaches did the appropriate thing there. And certainly a, a conversation that we think is worth having. So we reached out to a former coach in Connecticut, someone who uh, – spends a lot of time and is very thoughtful thinking about these things. And so we wanted to reach out to him to have a little conversation about what is sort of appropriate behavior for coaches at the high school level and, and how we can continue to try to work on getting some of those things uh, done in a, in a little bit better manner. So hope you'll enjoy this conversation with uh, our next guest. Very happy to be joined on the phone now by Neil Curlin, the uh, former boys basketball coach at Norwich Free Academy and now in an administrative role at, uh, at uh, Bacon Academy. So, uh, Neil, thanks very much for joining us and, uh, and talking with us today. You're welcome. Um, so, like I said, I want to get into a little bit of a discussion about coach behavior um, and some of the sort of things that have become hot topics, I think, uh, in the world of sports and particularly high school sports these days. Um, and sort of just wanted to start off, um, you know, as a former coach, it, for you, how or kind of where did you draw a line between acceptable and unacceptable behavior 
you know, specifically in regard to dealing with players. That seems to be to be the biggest challenge is kind of trying to find out where that line is and what was your sort of approach in dealing with that? Well, Joel, I, I have to tell you that it, my experience is, is over almost 30 years, and uh, and I will have to admit that my philosophy relative to what you uh, just posed uh, evolved over the years. As mm-hmm. a young coach, uh, I'm not proud to admit, and I think a lot of young coaches go through this transformation, uh, I'm not proud to admit that I, I had moments uh, where I did go over the line uh, and not purposeful um, and, and I weren't mean to hurt it, meant to hurt anybody, uh, but my passion and my emotion, my enthusiasm uh, to compete and to win and to and to get the most out of young athletes uh, uh, pushed me over the line a few times. And, and, and you know, nothing that uh, got me in any trouble uh, over the years. But, what you know, what people have to realize, a lot of stuff goes on behind those locker room walls uh, uh, doesn't come out into the public. Sure. And, uh, and kids feel, at least kids more so back then, and that's one of the changes, kids felt more inclined to keep things behind closed doors uh, you know, 20 years ago, yeah. uh, where, where now the culture has changed to the degree where kids, uh, understand, uh, that it is a different, that the culture they, they now live in, uh, adults aren't, aren't allowed to behave that way and, uh, blow the whistle, frankly, and tell their parents uh, a lot more than they used to. Yeah. Uh, I think also, uh, administrators, uh, now are held to a different standard. And in the old days, 20 years ago, uh, administrators were more likely, I think, to uh, tell parents to the kids, uh, your coach is your coach. He's your the authority figure uh, in this realm, and you have to listen to him. And, yeah. uh, and now um, times have changed, and with that, coaches have to change, and, and I changed. Uh, part of that, was Joel, was just maturity, yeah. just understanding that as a role model for these kids, I couldn't use language uh, that... Uh, that I would use with, say, my my, uh, my buddies uh, who were like age at the time, uh, watching a Monday night football game. Right. Uh, so it, it, it was an evolution for me, and I think it is for a lot of coaches. Uh, and I think that's why it's imperative for for supervisors uh, uh, who are supervising uh, all coaches, but especially young coaches, to make it very clear that this is uh, a, a new era and uh, we're being held to much higher standards and more accountability. So uh, they need they need training. Coaches need training and they need education. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess that, that sort of leads into my next question. I think you, you answered it a little bit, but, you know, you're no longer in a coaching role and you are now in more of an administrative role. How do you feel like that's changed your perspective maybe on, you know, on this discussion along with sort of that, you know, just the, spending a lot of time in this in this profession and, and the maturity that comes with it? Has, has seeing it from the administrative side changed your perspective at all? No, I don't think it's changed because uh, even though I'm I'm now in an administrative role. Uh, my my natural maturity over time, and also my education, and, and some of the education that I had occurred in the last five years. So some of the most uh, powerful uh, education that I had uh, in my coaching career uh, were two, or actually uh, two different uh, scenarios. One was a guy by the name of Joe Ehrman, uh, who who runs an organization out of Baltimore, Maryland, uh, called Building men and women for others. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and, and uh, Joe has a tremendous uh, national movement going on uh, where uh, he is talking about 
power in the platform of coaches to change kids for good. Yeah. Uh, and, and that I read, I read his book. Um, uh, well, it wasn't his book. I read a book by Jeffrey Marks, uh, about Joe Ehrman, uh, about five, five to seven years ago, um, called season of life, which changed the way I coach kids. And, uh, thankfully, thankfully I read it. I wish I had read it a lot sooner. And then the other, uh, epiphany, if you will, that I had, uh, was actually by accident, uh, getting ready to be certified for an AAU tournament in Disney World, coaching my own son. Uh, I had to go through the, uh, training online, which I, I thought might be frivolous at, at first, yeah. at first glance, uh, turned out to be a tremendous, uh, educational experience for me if, through the Positive Coaching Alliance, PCA. It's an organization uh, nationally which is trying to uh, help coaches be more positive with kids and understand uh, the impact that we have with our words and our actions with kids. So, I mean, if, if, if we could get, and I, I'm a little bit on a salt, uh, up on a box on this one, if we, <laughs> if we, could, if we could just get uh, all of our coaches, uh, at least I can say from, in the state of Connecticut, to be educated under uh, building men and women for others, and and the positive coaching alliance, uh, you'd see tremendous, tremendous change, uh, and it would impact our, our young people tremendously. Uh, I, I, you know, I can't say enough about it. So that as I'm going into the administrative realm, I'll, I'll, I think maybe it's just and going to a new school for me personally. It's given me uh, a different audience. Yeah. Uh, I, I I proclaim this stuff loud loudly at NFA in the last few years, and and now. Uh, I get to uh, share the gospel with, with people at Bacon Academy. Yeah. So, you know, back sort of back to your, your coaching experience, how would you handle, you know, or approach a situation where a student or, you know, a parent on behalf of a student comes to you, you know, and sort of suggests that maybe, um, you know, that, that that student has been mistreated or that you've been, be, you know, that you've behaved you know, inappropriately, what would be, how would you sort of handle that? How would you approach dealing with that situation? Well, you know, uh, ultimately we've got to do what's right for kids. Uh, I guess one of the things in the article uh, uh, recently that I, I read about in New Jersey, uh, where this is a hot topic uh, because of the Mike Rice situation and some mm-hmm. of the other things that are going on in New Jersey, is, is that fine line between a coach pushing a kid athletically and, and physically and, and mentally to become uh, the best athlete they can be, uh, and also at the same time not going over the line and, and going into that, uh, I guess, lack of a better term, bullying uh, kind of realm. Yeah. Uh, and that's and that's a you know that's something that I think can be. It doesn't have to be a gray area. I think that can be very clearly defined if if, if we uh, can get a common vocabulary with coaches and parents and kids, a, a common uh, reference point as to what's considered over the line and what's considered, uh, uh, you know, uh, just hard, hard coaching as it's called by some people. Yeah. Uh, because kids definitely do need to be pushed because kids don't inherently, uh, allow them to push themselves to get to a point where they can, uh, where they uh, improve to the degree that they can they can improve. So what would I tell a parent? I, I think you have to uh, give parents an audience. I think you have to uh, allow parents, uh, this is their child. This uh, coaches, uh, as long as it's not talking about playing time and game strategy, I think coaches need to listen to parents and, and administrators or supervisors need to listen to parents. And, 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 uh, and then um, 
without uh, blowing things up out of proportion. I think uh, conversations can be had with coaches about their behavior and their language and how impactful it is with kids. And um, as long as people continue to talk and communicate and have conversations, uh, then I think we can have growth uh, in all areas. And, and, uh, and the clarity that comes out of that is what's important so that everyone understands uh, that the kid comes first and, and where the coaches are coming from. And, and I think I think I don't think most parents, Joel, uh, want uh, the kind of blood that I read in an article about New Jersey where they're going to coaches because they want their coaches, those coaches removed. So they're, they're veiling their anger and this bullying uh, uh, condemnation. Yeah. I, I don't think most parents want that. I think that what, what we'll see on the local level mostly is, uh, is where coaches just use language that they shouldn't use. Yeah. Uh, coach, coaches uh, embarrass, intimidate, degrade. And I think that called what, what, how we eliminate that is, is, is education with coaches. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, something that, and, and I'm, this is, I don't, I'll try to sort of frame it in the form of a question, but it's more of a, of a thought and, and maybe just hear your response a little bit on, on sort of the idea. You know, I, I've thought about this and as someone who admittedly I've never coached, I've, I played high school sports, um, but I, you know, I've been involved in athletics at the college level and the high school level. Um, and, and sort of, if, you know, giving it some thought, I kind of think that it, you wonder if it's a little, you know, it's sort of, I guess, it's an odd thing to see that this is one, you know, that the sort of things you're talking about, the motivation, you know, whether it's on the right side of the line or, you know, maybe the things that used to be acceptable on one side of the line, um, that sports are really only one of the few arenas where that line is even approached, you know, that that's, it's that it, it's sort of a unique arena in that way, you know, the sort of behavior that coaches engage in, you know, my, my boss here at the CIAC would certainly never, you know, operate in that kind of way, uh, you know, publicly. And I'm just sort of curious if, you know, how you feel about sort of how sports has that unique perspective and maybe if what's happened sort of with the line moving is, sports becoming more sort of drifting more towards the behavior that's seen as more acceptable in other workplaces. I don't know if I framed that quite the way I wanted to, but just curious what you sort of think of that, that notion that, that sports is sort of unique in, in sort of allowing or creating this idea where the coach can behave this way. Yeah, I think, I think uh, to some degree you're right. Uh, although I think in boardrooms across America, I think uh, you're having the same kind of, uh, of issues where, uh, you know, language, which would not be acceptable uh, at the CIAC where you work, uh, is probably acceptable in boardrooms across America where they're sure. competing, competing for business and, uh, and, uh, and the sales are down and, you know, you, you talk about movies like Wall Street and, and, uh, and, uh, uh, others, uh, like that Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, and yeah. where you, where you actually see, uh, I would say over the line uh, abusive behavior uh adult to adult mm-hmm. um so there's that uh, there's that aspect yeah when you when you talk about sports, it is unique in a lot of ways it's unique in in the ways that that uh adults work with children as opposed to the classroom but it but it's 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 also unique uh in the aspect that there are things you learn on the field and on the courts that you can't learn in the classroom yeah uh you know the, when you talk about uh, teamwork and trust and commitment 
and 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 you know, let's just pick a couple of the things that you can that you get uh, off the fields and through sports that you can't get in a classroom. So it it really does call for a different environment. Yeah. You can't you can't. I don't think you can equate uh, a classroom uh, directly with a with a field with a sports event. Uh, although the classroom. The field is the coach's classroom, and should he still, the coach, he or she still should be held to acceptable standards of behavior. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, it's just, yeah, I, I think it's an interesting an interesting discussion, and, and as you said, I think the, the, the discussion and sort of working uh, with coaches and, and administrators and parents and students to sort of try to, to work hard to discover, you know, where that line needs to be and should be, uh, is, is a worthwhile, worthwhile task. And, and one that if it's, uh, if it can be done productively, will, will lead to, to less acrimony in the future. So that certainly, uh, certainly would be the goal, I'm sure for coaches and for, for students and parents. Yeah, I think it's just, uh, when, when it comes down to it, as far as, as far as, uh, coaches are concerned, uh, we, we still have a long way to go. And a lot of our coaches, uh, uh, you know, they have to go through, of course, the CIAC has, uh, the coaches training program, uh, which is, which is very beneficial, which mm-hmm. I've had, I had a former athlete who played college basketball after he left us at NFA for four years, scholarship athlete, attend the CIAC coaches training and come back and say, coach, and because of course he wanted to become a coach and he is now one at NFA, said, I learned so much from that program. I had no idea. I thought it was just going to be uh, a frivolous activity where they check my name off a list and then I can coach. So I, I, I think we can't underestimate the impact that we can have as organizations such as CAC in, in educating our coaches. I mean, uh, a lot of the coaches uh, that are working with our kids at high school level now are not in education. They're not teachers. They were not uh, trained uh, to understand, in a lot of cases, uh, how to deal with kids yeah. and, uh, and and what tremendous impact our actions on the field, off the field, uh, our words, our language, uh, our, 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 uh, even our body uh, language and our gestures have with children. And so I think it's imperative upon our organizations and our state uh, to hold to hold the educational standards very high and, and require uh, them to and, and to continue to change those uh, educational programs and continue how will continue education. I mean, we don't. It's not you know. There's some of that going on, but I think we we can continue to more and, and it's imperative upon administrators and supervisors, health coaches, athletic directors, to monitor closely how how their coaches behave with kids and continue to educate at the local level. Uh, and then it's a, I think uh, the last piece is um, to have conversations and communicate with parents and and, uh, and 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 so that in the end we do all this work for one reason and the work uh, is done for the kids. Absolutely. So we, we, we have to make sure we have a, a sacred trust with families uh, that these kids are going to be uh, treated uh, professionally, respectfully, with dignity. Uh, and that's, and if we can do that, uh, then we won't, we certainly won't be having a whole lot more conversations, uh, like we're having now. It's difficult, but it's for uh, an honorable venture. 
Absolutely. So uh, we certainly hope uh, we, you continue all of your efforts in the area, and I know certainly we will uh, continue to try to educate and, and continue the discussion on, uh, on our end. Neil Curlin, we uh, thank you very much for taking some time on your drive home to, uh, to go over this with us, and uh, we really appreciate it. Thanks for chatting with us. Uh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Many, many thanks to Neil for taking the time to chat with us. Really an interesting conversation and, and one that I think is, is worth having, as mentioned in the interview, that uh, it, it's worth talking about these things. Is that's the only way that, uh, that behavior and, and situations improve is by continuing the, the dialogue and, and trying to, to find some best practices and, and try to resolve some of these situations that arise. And, and too often, unfortunately, I think that uh, there with schools and situations arise that uh, we are reactive rather than proactive. So I think having the conversations with people like Neil, who have given this matter a lot of thought, as you can tell from that interview, uh, are certainly productive. So we thank him for joining us. And we thank you for joining us on another edition of the CIAC cast. That's going to wrap up this week's episode. We hope to be back again next week. I know we've been saying that we're going to be on an every other week schedule, and we've sort of stuck to that this fall, but I think we're going to try to be back next week. As I mentioned, those brackets coming out on the Friday, the 1st of November, you'll have pairings in field hockey, girls volleyball, and boys and girls soccer. So that'll be an exciting day for everyone. Be sure to check out Tournament Central. Also encourage fans to, uh, on the CIAC website, if you go under the updates tab which is at the very top of the page if you click on that you can sign up to receive email or text alerts of championship updates it's a great way really the best way i think to keep and keep tabs on all of the latest information you'll get reports at the end of the day of all the scores you'll find out when schedules change you'll get all kinds of good stuff so encourage fans to check that out as well. That's a great way to keep up to date with what's happening with the CIAC Sports Championship. So we hope to be back with you next week for another edition of the CIAC cast. Until then, be sure to follow us on Twitter. They'll find out when the uh, the podcast has been posted. You can sign up for the podcast and uh, on iTunes and subscribe. So then you'll know that you'll get the latest edition whenever it is we bring it out. So hopefully we'll have some uh, some good preview things as uh, and some other issues covered as well next week. So we hope to be back with you next week, as I said. Until then, I'm Joel Cookson. Thank you very much for joining us for another edition of the CIAC Cast. Have a great weekend. <laughs>